Hey there, I'm Andrew Ainsworth, a proud supporter of Sword and Laser, thanks to Patreon.com. It's easy to set up, and what do you get out of it? Endless geeky bantering about the latest sci-fi and fantasy books. So if you want to help out, head over to Patreon.com slash Sword and Laser. Give a little, and get a lot of Veronica mispronouncing things. Hey everyone, welcome to Sword and Laser. I'm Tom Merritt. And I'm Alex Brown. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and awesome discussions from fans just like you. Veronica Belmont still out on her maternity leave, but I'm so happy that Alex Brown is back uh, for another week uh, to talk about Alatsue and all the other news. Alex, welcome back. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Ah, it was so much fun doing the show uh, with you last week. So I, I'm looking forward to this week. I, I forgot to ask you before we started recording, if you were drinking anything recently you wanted to talk about. Yes, actually. So I prepared this time. Okay, <laughs> I bought a, awesome. special, a special thing. So um, a friend of mine uh, mentioned this to me. We're having our, our monthly Zoom chat. Um, mm-hmm. And she mentioned this company called Adagio Teas. And they have like special pride teas. So they, I bought their ace pride tea and I drank that oh, cool. while I was reading Alatsoe and it was, it was really good. It's kind of floral, kind of spicy. Recommend. Awesome. What, what's the name of the brand again? Adagio teas. Like, oh, Adagio. Like, yeah. yeah like okay. The music. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty good. Very cool. Well, um, I've been, you're going to think all I drink is milk tea. Cause that's what I had last time too. <laughs> uh, but, uh, my wife bought, uh, this bottle of, Itoen, it's a Japanese brand matcha milk huh. tea, and it's just delicious. Like it's a little bit of sugar in it, so it's not you know perfectly calorie free like like green tea usually is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's really good, uh, right. especially for a bottle. You know, it's kind of cold, tasty. Yeah, it's gonna start warming up here, so it'll be good thirst quenching tea for the future. All right, let's get into the quick burns. Mark and Tamahome both pointed out the Science Fiction Writers of America announced finalists for the 2021 Nebula Awards. Uh, the novel nominees include Piranesi from Susanna Clark, The City We Became from N.K. Jemison, Mexican Gothic from Silvio Moreno Garcia, The Midnight Bargain from C.L. Polk, Black Sun by Rebecca Roanhorse, and Network Effect from Martha Wells. We also uh, want to Note the Andre Norton Nebula Award for Middle Grade and Young Adult Fiction nominees because Alatsoe by Darcy Little Badger is nominated, uh, along with Ray Bearer from Jordan Ifueko, A Wizard's Guide to Defensive Baking from T. Kingfisher, A Game of Fox and Squirrels by Jen Reese, Star Daughter Shveta Thakrar, and uh, that's, that's it for that category. The results of the final ballot will be announced at the 56th Nebula Award Ceremony online. Again, uh, June 4th through the 6th. I am super excited about all of those uh, nominations. I, I read, uh, the only one I haven't read out of the adults is The City We Became, but I read her short story in the that it was inspired by in that, what mm. was that collection? How, to, how Long Till Black Future Month. It was really good. Really, really good. Uh, did you read The Midnight Bargain or Black Sun? No, I oh. haven't. Oh, oh man! Well, we read the first uh, of of her series for the for Sword and Laser, but I I just I need to follow up. Wait the the first of whose series? Uh, the first of the Rebecca Roanhorse, uh, her previous series. 
Oh yeah, the Trail of Lightning. That was good yeah, too. Yeah. Um, the Black Sun has one of the best first chapters I have ever read in really? my entire life. <laughs> like I had to get up and walk away for a while. It was so good. Was it like a jaw dropping thing? Yes, it's, uh-huh. it's, it's and it's really intense and it's just so well written and it's just just this tiny little encapsulation of one particular moment in one of the characters' mm-hmm. lives and it was just like. I mean, I don't know if I could swear on this thing, but I swore when I finished it. <laughs> it was so good. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Yeah. I, I feel like Nebula does a, a pretty good job of of nominating a good cross-section of interesting books yeah. every time. Yeah. I, I, oh, yeah. I, I always admire that. Uh, speaking of N.K. Jemisin, uh, Julie pointed out that N.K. Jemisin's Inheritance Trilogy uh, is set to be developed for TV by Searchlight. Of course, developed doesn't always mean it ends up turning into anything, uh, but that's good for N.K. Jemisin because she'll get something out of that. And who knows, it might even uh, pan out. Yeah, I I mean, I'm thrilled that it's in development, but I I can't get too excited. <laughs> I got I got to save all my energy for it to get past. I yeah. will not get like super excited until the trailer drops. That's that's kind of now, where I am at this point. Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith's Westbrook Studios is on board. Um I don't know if that means anything more for development, uh but eh, I don't knows? know if they lend their name to the press release necessarily if they're not serious, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Try not to get too excited. Uh, we have a, a couple of other TV related notes here. Joanna pointed out Margaret Atwood's Mad Adam trilogy is being developed at Hulu. Uh, and the Handmaid's Tale, which is at Hulu also, uh, has been renewed for a fifth season. Uh, Hulu, on the other hand, when, when something goes to development there, it does tend to get made. Uh, yeah. they're, they're a little more, they follow up a little more than, than these, production companies that place a lot more bets yeah i'm i don't know how i feel about this one i mean she's uh, margaret she's so problematic (laughs) and (laughs) i would just there are other there are other dystopian trilogies i think i would rather see from other less problematic authors i guess that's one that's one of the things about development right is once you've done something like the handmaid's tale you may find it easier to just stick with that author, uh, when maybe that isn't the best choice. Maybe you, you need to force yourself out of your comfort zone there, Hulu. Exactly. Uh, and then Joanna point also pointed out, uh, Victoria Schwab's city of ghost series is in the works at ABC signature and searchlight. Uh, this is not the first development attempt for city of ghosts. Uh, it was attempted in 2018 by CW, uh, where the main character was to be college aged instead of 12 year old as it is in the book. Um, but there's no word about anything with ABC Searchlight. They're kind of starting over from scratch. So what we said earlier about development, don't get too excited yet. Just, yeah. you know, note it for future reference, I think applies here too. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Richard pointed out that uh, they're the UK antitrust watchdog, uh, that is an agency, not an actual dog, uh, will review the Bertelsmann takeover of Simon & Schuster because the resulting merger... Uh, would create the world's largest book publisher and reduce the number of major publishers from five down to four. In the United States, the Authors Guild and the National Writers Union have written a letter to the Department of Justice asking the deal to be blocked, uh, but we haven't seen anything from them yet. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to like ruin my odds of getting arcs for review, but <laughs> I I would hope that it doesn't go through. The last thing we need is to keep consolidating the the, the major publishers. It's just it's going to make yeah. it harder and harder for anybody who's not you know the majority to get published. 
Well, you, you need thriving competition, uh, which means, you know, a, a lack of consolidation and, and you need, uh, a nice, a nice, I don't know how to say it, like, like an angle, uh, a slope, uh, a mountain, <laughs> like, you don't, you don't want it to be like three big publishers and then everybody's else really small. You know, you want to continue up. There you go. That's exactly. what I'm looking for. You want a continuum of publishers. I don't mind if there's consolidation if you see that being filled in from the back, but that's not what we're seeing here. No, no. I mean, it's like Amazon and Amazon merging together, you know, or, <laughs> or like Walmart and Target merging together. That doesn't, right. it doesn't like, there's no diversity of the field that doesn't bring anything new to the field that just collapses two giant entities into one super massive giant entity and then sucks the air out of the room. Well, and it reminds me of, of what happened in music uh, yeah. where I think there's three yep. now major labels and that's it. And then everybody else is indie. So you have yep. this big drop off. So, yeah. And I don't, I mean, which is why I don't really listen to major labels anymore. I get mm-hmm. everything off Bandcamp. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rob wanted to point out that Will White's Bloodline, uh, which is in the Cradle series, volume nine is coming out April 9th. Uh, and you know, when the moderator of the forum points out a book coming out, it's worth paying attention to. That's very exciting. I'm, I'm not familiar with that series, but I'm very happy for them. And Ruth uh, followed up with uh, some news about Peter S. Beagle's The Last Unicorn. When we read that book, we talked about the struggle over control of the rights. And there was an elder abuse lawsuit. Uh, That elder abuse lawsuit has been resolved and bankruptcy has been determined by the court. And Peter S. Beagle has regained control of the rights to his book. Uh, So he will now once again uh, get money for the sales of The Last Unicorn. That's good. That's that's good for him. All right. Time to bear your sword. Our feedback from the audience. Uh, I tried to live. There was a lot of talk about snacks. (laughs) after last week's episode uh but we uh, i tried to limit it to just a couple to to note here um for instance omg the cake thing cake should not look like other food says no. trike <laughs> <laughs> i co-sign that so hard my pencil breaks <laughs> says trike uh cakes can look like other things he says but never food never ever ick Here's a plug for my cousin's cake making skills. Uh, toss her some likes. And he put Instagram uh, pictures of a treasure chest cake and a Super Mario game cake, neither of which are food. Well, the cake is food, but the things they're depicting are not. Yeah, I don't I don't mind like a treasure cake food. What I don't like is, you know, the raw chicken leg cake, <laughs> <laughs> you know, or somebody's yeah. face is a cake. Like, and I don't want to cut oh, into yeah. like people or animals or anything. No, <laughs> I don't want to do that. That's not cool. This treasure chest almost looks too wooden to eat. That's that's amazing. Thank yeah, you for sending those. Yeah, that's actually really detailed. That's pretty cool. Uh, okay. And then Cameron, aka Meat Popsicle, uh, or <laughs> Sorry, McCrory, <laughs> or McCrory bo- Books, uh, writes. Well, it's only taken five years and thirty-two minutes, but I've caught up on all the Sword and Laser <laughs> podcasts. Good for you, man. That's incredible. I told Cameron, I'm like, you now know more about what I said on this show than I do right now, for sure. Uh, And then Dale, a.k.a. Gene Arm, uh, wrote with another suggestion for Crystal. We've been giving Crystal suggestions for a couple months now because you posted on Twitter back in December uh, for action, but not violent stories. And Dale uh, pointed out Night Train 
to Rigel by Timothy Zahn and Station Breaker by Andrew Main. Uh, Dale says action with little or no combat or violence. Mysteries are the type of hero gets dropped in the middle of things and has to figure out what the heck is going on. Ooh, interesting. I have not read Night Train to Rigel, but I have read Station Breaker. Uh, and that's a an astronaut gets caught up in a conspiracy, has to like leave orbit in an unauthorized fashion, lands in the middle of Brazil, has to uh, get help from a favela to escape the bet. It's crazy. Like, it's good stuff. Interesting. That's that's weird. I mean, it sounds cool, but weird, too. I'm going to recommend something. I got to recommend. Okay. Witchmark yeah, by C.L. Polk. Witchmark, it's, uh, there's not that much action violence stuff, and the whole thing is a nice little mystery, and it's very cute, and two boys make out in it. <laughs> and it's Aww. a lot of, like you know, anti-colonialism, take down capitalism, <laughs> running all the way through it. Good. Which mark by C.L. Polk. Yep. Got it. Um, then back to snacks. Terp Kristen says, I feel like it's my responsibility to say that crab chips don't taste like crab. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but the seasoning that you would put on crab, Old Bay. Old Bay is a combo of uh, salt, pepper, paprika, some other stuff. Terp Kristen says, I put it on corn on the cob, eggs, anything from my works cafe. They undersalt. It's particularly good on their egg salad sandwich, popcorn chicken breasts. I've also had the Flying Dog Old Bay Summer Ale. It was okay, but kind of weird. I could see having it at a cookout, maybe just one though. I enjoyed this episode. I didn't know what to expect from a Latsaway, but I'm really enjoying it. I saw someone else compare it to Veronica Mars, and I think that's a great comparison. Well, that's good to know about the crab chips, <laughs> because if it says crab chips, I'm going to think chips that <laughs> taste like crab. Tastes like crab, which makes sense, right? <laughs> but I, my dad was a food scientist, so this is one of the mm. things that he revealed to me when I was growing up, is that flavors are rarely the actual things. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're the things that make people imagine the thing. So yeah. the big revelation was there was only one berry flavor, and then you would just color it whatever berry you wanted to say it was. So the blueberry was colored blue. Strawberry was light red. Cherry was dark red. But he's like, it's all the same berry flavor. I've heard that, but that is total crap because that red cherry tastes awful. It's the worst (laughs) flavor in the world, but I will eat all of the blue flavor you can give me. It depends. It depends on the candy or whatever, right? Because yeah. at the time he was, this was a berry flavor he was using in something that they were working on. So some things may not use that generic berry flavor. On the other hand, you may be just, you know, maybe a placebo effect. I don't know. It's well, and um, I can't remember what candy it was, but I had a candy one time where it was purple, but it was it was that sour blueberry flavor or, you know, uh-huh. that sour blue, but it was colored purple <laughs> and my mind nearly exploded. Like, I just cognitive yes, I was like, yeah. no, it can't taste like that. But anyway, I, the reason I bring that up is I think that explains the old, the crab chip. Yeah. They didn't try to <laughs> recreate crab. They're like, oh, when people think crab, they think the seasoning that, yeah. So that kind of makes sense to me. Uh, and then uh, we got an email from Chris uh, who wrote, Hey, Tom and Alex, and congratulations, Veronica. I heard you discuss the possibility that this month's book, Alatsaway, uh, used the name Willoughby in a way that might be related to the Twilight Zone episode called A Stop at Willoughby. And I hope you're right, but I wanted to let the listeners know that we're a real place, too. Whoa. He- I know. 
Even though I've claimed I'm from Cleveland for years, I'm actually from a small suburb about 20 miles east called Willoughby, and I've lived in this area almost my entire life. Rumor is that while traveling between college in Western Ohio and home in Eastern New York each year, Rod Serling's train would stop there, and he found it so idyllic that he used the town as the ultimate reward in his Twilight Zone episode. There doesn't seem to be any other supporting evidence for why he chose that name, and there are other theories, but we are the only town in the country named Willoughby, and his train would have stopped here, so who knows? Either way, we embrace it as at our last stop Willoughby Festival every non-pandemic year. If any listeners want to enjoy a slightly weird town festival in August, <laughs> now you've got a place to go. Heartofwillaby.com is the huh. website. That's kind of cool, actually. Yeah, it is cool. I, I'm sure, I hope, and I'm sure that your Willoughby is nothing like the one in Alatsoy. <laughs> oh, no, God, I hope not. <laughs> right? <laughs> I, I've, I've read this email before I'd really understood. I've got to the point in the book where, where Willoughby reveals what it really is. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, oh, um, yeah, I, I, I hope definitely it's, it's not the same kind of thing. Yeah. All right, we should discuss uh, Alatsway, but first I uh, want to uh, announce our book for next month. Our votes are in. Thank you to everybody who voted in all the polls. It was super fun uh, to get to know all those books. And so hopefully you added a bunch of them to your reading list. I know a lot of people always end up reading the book that loses in the final poll because they're both usually really great. Uh and so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing y'all talking about that too. But the official pick, the one that won the final vote, is The House in the Cerulean Sea by T.J. Klune. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, uh, I've got the uh, the book briefing up uh, on our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash sword and laser, if you want to take a look. Uh, but another young adult uh, book, another ace author. And uh, other than that, I very different than Alatsaway story-wise. Yeah, yeah, pretty different. But it's supposed to be really, really good. It's been on my list. Yeah. I might have to like listen in and <laughs> book club for right. my, my own. Yeah, yeah. Feel free to just drop in. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that'd be awesome. Yeah, I'm looking forward to to reading this as well. I've already got it downloaded and ready to go. All right, let's talk Ilatsaway. We are going to be spoilery, uh, so if you haven't read it uh, and don't and don't want to be spoiled, uh, then you might want to pause out and come back later to finish the rest of this. We'll start, however, with a non-spoilery review from Twitter. Beth Mitchum weighs in again, uh, writes, Alatsaway, Darcy Little Badger, teen Ellie, has a rare superpower. She and her parents trust each other. This helps her defeat the baddie. Oh, she can also summon the dead. This probably came in <laughs> handy, but mostly the trust. I mean, she makes a good point. It's, it's the whole sort of through line of the book really is family. I mean, it's one of the few YA where the parents are deeply involved at all times. They're, you know, trust her. They believe her right from the beginning. There's no doubt. Like they just go right in with it. I think it's, yeah, good point. Yeah. There was, there was uh, something about this story that reminded me a little of the Star Trek Next Generation episodes where Gene Roddenberry had ordered the writing staff that the conflict couldn't come from the humans. The conflict always had to come from somewhere else because he wanted to imagine a future where humanity had solved its differences and they you wanted to have the conflict come from somewhere else. And I, I felt a little bit of that where in a lots of way, the conflict's not going to come from the family. You, mm-hmm. It's perfectly legitimate to tell that story. But in this story, 
the family is strong and the conflict has to come from somewhere else. Yeah. And there's no conflict with her friend either. Like everybody is just, yeah, great. This is, you know, we believe you, let's do this. And everybody supports each other and everybody's nice to each other. And even when there's like, there's stress with Lenore, uh, you know, she never has this big screaming moment where she, I hate you. Get out of my house. There's <laughs> none of that. Everybody's just sort of generally supportive. I love that. In, in a believable way. I, I yeah. know some people disagree with me on this. Uh, I saw on Goodreads, but to me, this all felt like people I've known and seen this all felt situations I've seen. And trust me, I've seen other situations too, but I could see all of this happening. This didn't feel like it was overly sugary or sweet. It it felt real because like you said, Lenore was, she was upset and she did some rash things, but it didn't mean she had to lose it. Yeah. No, I mean, I could see this. I mean, obviously not raising spirits from the dead. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's true. (laughs) You know, Ellie's relationship with her family, like that would be my family. If there was a mystery that we had to solve, it wouldn't descend into infighting. We'd all be fairly supportive of each other, you know, and just sure. What and friends coming in and sure. What can we do to help? You know? So for me, it was very believable. Yeah. One of the, one of the things I really like is a family of choice element Mm -hmm. to a story. Mm -hmm. And I think what was really cool is that she had that too. Yeah. And it was like, you don't have to, you don't have to not have a strong birth family to also have a strong family of choice. Exactly. Yeah. I also, I, I liked that, uh, the representation was matter of fact. Uh, in this story. And, and again, the, there's good reasons not to, and there's, there's reasons to show rejection, but the family supported and accepted her uh, for who she was. And that was never, that never was an issue. It, it was, it was like this, this is the way the world should be with her. Oh yeah. Like, I mean, I, I have read a lot of <laughs> queer YA and mm-hmm. At this point, I'm really tired of coming out stories. Like, I, I know that they're important and I know, like, the struggle, trademark, you know, that, that stuff is so important. But also, like, ugh, I'm tired of reading about it. <laughs> I just, I don't, you know, I have to come out every day. I don't want to have to come out, you know, or read about coming out too all of the time. Like, I like having the range of sometimes people are just out and, and they can just, be out and we can just tell a story where they're out and everybody's dealt with it and it's it's not a thing anymore and we all just sort of move on. Uh, I think if it if it hadn't been if the story was not an own voices story in that way, I would have stressed out ahead of time and worried that they were going to have Jay like hit on her, mm-hmm. you know, hit on Ellie because that almost always happens. When Aloe writers write an ace character, somebody else Aloe has to hit on the ace character, mm-hmm. and then the ace character has to go, "No, I'm sorry, but can't." But that didn't happen here. Like they're just good friends. They're good friends. They both are aware of each other, and it's done. Well, and I like that because it's it's a good model, right? Yeah. When you read it, you're like, "Oh, okay, so this is the way the world can work," right? Exactly. And 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 you're right. If there were no stories about the difficulties, then yes, we would need them. But I think what you're, if, if I'm hearing you right, you're saying we have those. <laughs> That's and that you know, you, if you need them, they are there. Uh, there's no shortage of it. So we also need these. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, don't stop making the coming out stories. There's plenty of teens who need those. But also, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. We can have, a, we can, you know, show what life could be like for those who may not be able to have it. I feel like that's a really good sign that we can have that story, that we have mm-hmm. the ability to have space for, for multiple kinds of stories. I also love the way ghosts exist in this yes. world. 
well, and, and in different ways too. I mean, you've got like, it, it's everything's culture based, right? So you've uh-huh. got like white people's versions of ghosts, which are uh-huh. these terrifying monsters, presumably. And then you've got the way that the, um, that Ellie's people like interpret ghosts, which kind of twists it on its head. And it's, so it's the same like being, but just processed and interacted with differently, which brings different results. You know, you get these chaos demons almost on the white people side, and then you get these, you know, spirits and, 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 and uh, what was the word? Uh, ambassadors. Uh-huh. Or emissaries, yeah. that was the word, um, oh, you know, right. on the, the, on the Apache side. It was just, it was so interesting to see how she twisted that. Yeah, I I like that uh, you have, you know, in this European settlement of Willoughby, you have vampires. Yeah. A, a European demon uh and 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 they're attracted to that uh and and that you have jay has his own culture and and there there's the you know you get a, a window into that as well uh and that the ghost culture of the lipid apache is not all good you don't want to have trevor come back and that you know that that's how we end at the at, uh, that's how we have our major conflict at the end uh because the humans can be the most dangerous ghosts mm-hmm. uh but i just I lost it when you had the ghost dogs come come in and yes, oh, storm in. Go- that was so the, good. Like the the ancient whales and all. Like just, oh, and the trilobites. A, yeah, yeah. It was such an interesting. Like I mean, as soon as she, as soon as Ellie went and bought the little trilobite, I was like, oh, this is going to be a ghost thing. But uh-huh. um, what what a just a fascinating way to do ghosts. Like the fact that she can just like summon up these ancient beings and uh, you know these beings that you know, back when the earth was underwater, or this part of the mm-hmm. land was underwater and she just, you know, bring them back and like, like look, giant whales. And it's just, <laughs> so cool. As someone who has a, a trilobite fossil, uh, over there sitting mm. in a drawer, uh, I would love to be able to like reanimate that thing and, or have <laughs> someone like interview it for me and tell me what it thought. <laughs> That'd yeah. be pretty cool. And and the mammoth, her uh, sixth grade, uh, I think it was sixth grade. No, it was her mother's mammoth. It was her, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Was her and, mother you know, yeah. trying to like summon this mammoth. And um, and it was just an interesting commentary too, on, you know, as to what we lose, what we give up on our culture and, and you know, indigenous, I you know, I can't speak personally on this, obviously, but, you know, mm-hmm. indigenous people go through a lot trying to salvage you know the culture that was colonized and 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 smothered and how you kind of navigate that with the western world and what keep and what you don't keep um and why you keep or don't keep and i just thought it was such an interesting sort of little side note of you know what her mother has lost or given up Mm-hmm. and what Ellie has chosen to keep. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, the 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 generation the the difference in generational perspective on that. I thought mm-hmm. was 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 handled quite adroitly. Um and 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 gave some some pretty good insights in into that. I also really liked uh the 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 Jay and Ellie interactions. Mm-hmm. Uh I just thought they made a a, a great sort of buddy detective buddy cop team yeah they were Uh, very cute together they were so much they were so much fun uh and and really had you cheering for them all the way through the end um and what else anything else that you're thinking of that you want to touch on well i mean we talked a little bit about the vampires but there was i can't remember what his name is and i forgot to dog ear the page um but the vampire who was apache 
Mm-hmm. Um, that was really because you know earlier in the book she oh, um, right. yeah. she uh, bans that one vampire um, because you know because it's Apache land and so you're not welcome bans- in our yeah, home. Exactly. This is our home. I was like, oh, that's Which a trick. Was, that's good. I like super that. Cool. Such a brilliant idea because she's right. It is their home. Yeah, and yeah. It doesn't matter who else has taken taken the home away from them. It's still you know Ellie's people's home. Um, and then trying that again, but the vampire being Lipa and Apache, and they'd be like, you can't kick me off of my own land. I know. And then you're just like, but there's so many, there's so many layers to that. And, you know, again, it goes back to culture. And it's like, well, did he give up his culture because he's a vampire Mm -hmm. now? Did, you know, was he sent off to an Indian boarding school? Like, what is, what happened in this, in this vampire's past 200 years ago that, you know, would make him claim it just so he can stay on the land? But also be like, screw that! I'm going to kill my own people. Like, what happened? What, yeah, what is, what's yeah. the meat there? Well, and it's it's a it it raises a really interesting point of he is still Lipan Apache, mm-hmm. right? No mm-hmm. matter how he has behaved or what he has done, uh, that's still a fact about him, and so, and so you can't kick him kick him off, which mm-hmm. also works as a great you know twist device where you think oh okay she's gonna do that again and she'll be all right you're like oh no i didn't see that one coming yeah yeah well and can we talk about the ending yes (laughs) i thought it was so brilliant like he you know he's spent um allerton has spent and his whole family have spent hundreds of years possibly you know thousands of years depending on how far back it went that town went but at Mm -hmm. least hundreds of years like literally colonizing people, mooching off of, mm-hmm. you know, indigenous people and, and the vulnerable and, and just kind of, you know, spitting them out, stripping them of what resources they have and spitting them out to die. And then he gets dropped into the underworld and she just walks away. She just like abandons him with his consequences. Right. And you're just like, Oh my God, this is the best ending you could possibly pick for this book. Right. The, 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 all the people who have a grievance with you for what you've done over centuries are here. <laughs> yes. Are in, so every single one of them, yeah. like they, he finally has to come and he doesn't just, which is what I like. Like he doesn't just get killed or he doesn't just give up and get arrested and go to jail. Like he actually is put in a position where he has to confront the chaos and destruction and violence that he sowed and he, and not even he, like his ancestors, all, you know, Nathaniel Grace and all those people all the way back. Like he is responsible for that. And he has to make reparations for that. Like it's perfect. I, I was thinking early on when they, they showed the picture uh, of the founder and it was so like him. I'm like, is he just going to be that guy? Like he never died, but they never, they never touched on that again. They, so it must've just been a family resemblance, uh, which, which does change that point. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's what I was thinking too in the beginning that it was just the same mm-hmm. dude. Um, and you know, just leaking people's lives and yeah, just or staying whatever, immortal or even jumping bodies. Like I was, I had all these mm-hmm. sort of speculations yeah, of what yeah. it could be. Um, but I, I, I think that he's just a descendant and I hope that he is just a descendant because I like it better for him to be the descendant. Because, it, like you said, it does mm. change the ending. I mean, it means that, and and the people in Willoughby were making that comment too. They're like, "Well, we didn't do anything." It's like, "Well, 
you didn't have to actually cast the spell <laughs> in order to benefit. Like you chose to benefit from colonial labor. Uh, labor, and and even later on, where Ellie gets the letter from um, the guy who's living in the apartment complex, it's being haunted by um, by Apache ghosts because it's buried on a, an indigenous oh, cemetery. Right, yeah. And he's like, well, I can't, you know, is there anything you can do? I can't leave yet. I don't have the money to be able to leave. And that's an important point because Mm -hmm. he's acknowledging that he's benefiting from the destruction of of indigenous culture, but he's also in a vulnerable position where he literally can't do anything about it. Like he's, so he's, you know, in a way almost, I mean, he is responsible, but he's also in a way not responsible. Like he's a victim in in another way of the big colonialism machine. And it's just right. And it's class issues. Don't play into the story too much. They, they are there. Uh, but that, that is a, that it's sort of pointing towards a major, uh, issue of like, Oh, also, you know, it, you, you may not be of the means or, or have the benefit of the privilege. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's who, who has the privilege, who has the entitlements, um, and who's using it to just secure their own privilege and who's trying to use it to make the world a better place. Yeah. And uh, Willoughby was definitely not making the world a better place. No, it was making things darn great for Willoughby people. Well, yeah, for <laughs> anybody outside of Willoughby's population. Yep. Yeah. 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 Uh, any other thoughts on Alatsaway? Oh, God. I mean, I feel like I could talk about this for two years. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, you know, I'm just, I'm so happy to have read it. I'm sad that it took me so long to read it. I hope that Darcy decides to write a whole series of it because I could just have like a 10 book series of Ellie as a paranormal investigator with Jay as her sidekick and just like investigating ghosts all over the country. Yeah. I, I liked Ellie from page one mm-hmm. uh, and I had no idea where we were going. I knew there were mushrooms that people traveled through. Uh, you know, I knew, knew that book jacket kind of stuff. Uh, but I was I was really, I really enjoyed getting to know her, her relationship with Jay, uh, the, the family and the history and, and the, and I, it was a mystery story. I know it's, it's classed as fantasy and that's why we read it, but it really just felt like a really, really good mystery story. And I, I like, I enjoyed helping her unwind it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we didn't talk about the illustrations. Oh, right. Um, Yeah. So John pointed out that the illustrations in the hardback book are amazing. Mm -hmm. Uh, At the start of each chapter, there is a hero style illustration that presents a scene from the story. Uh, He says, I'm about 250 pages in thus far. They have perfectly captured the mood and spirit of the story. And I've come to enjoy them as much as I have the writing. Tassie Dave then jumped in on that thread and added, uh, there are chapter heading illustrations in the Kindle version as well, uh, which are great. And then Ian gave credit to the author, um, Rovina and the last name is C-A-I and I don't know how to properly pronounce it uh, but Rovina Chai maybe uh, does pencil drawings and we have her website R-O-V-I-N-A-C-A-I dot com in the show notes if you want to go take a look at some of the other work they've done. Oh yeah I mean um, she does the illustrations in Sean and McGuire's Wayward Children series too and they, I just I love I love 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 her work so good yeah, that was one of the downsides of doing the audiobook, which is how I read it, uh, mm. is that I missed out on all of those illustrations. Uh, so I may have to buy the paper copy just to have <laughs> it, which is a good reason to do it. 
this is definitely a book that you want the paper copy of. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a beautiful book. The, the cover is gorgeous. And the, the hardback anyways has, I don't know what that paper is called, but with that kind of the um, almost raggedy edge, like the, the paper's in different lengths. So it, oh, it right. feels, I don't, it's not deckled edge, but you know, it, the, the edge is feels Is it ragged edge? Is that what it's called? For some reason, that's <laughs> what my brain not, is telling me, but I don't remember. Whatever it's called. It's nice. Yeah. Um, and it's all shiny and yeah. Uh, and then Jenny from Reading Envy, uh, who, by the way, will be our uh, Sword and Laser co-host next month, uh, pointed out that the narrator, Kinsel Houston, had a write-up in Time magazine. Uh, Jenny says, I enjoyed reading about the narrator, who is a poet, uh, a member of the Navajo Nation, and she uh, has a profile in Time magazine that we link to if you want to read more about her. Oh, nice. Oh, I'm, I'm glad that they got an they indigenous person to, to read the audiobook, too. That's awesome. Yeah, and I really enjoyed the, her performance. Uh, I thought it was spot on. All right, well, that is it uh, for our thoughts on Alatsoe. Uh, and that is it, sadly, uh, for Alex uh, filling in for us this month. Alex, thank you so much. Yeah, I was so honored to be asked. This was great, and uh, thank you for giving me, not that I needed an excuse to read Alatsoe, but thank you for giving me an excuse. <laughs> read it and talk about it to everybody (laughs) likewise uh thanks for the pick it was a great pick i really enjoyed it uh if folks want to follow you find out more about what you're doing where should they go uh my blog is bookjockeyalex.com that's also my instagram bookjockeyalex and i am on twitter at queen of rats our show is currently entirely funded by our patrons thank you to all the folks who back our show and if you would like to support it Head to patreon.com slash sword and laser. You can also support the show by buying books through our links. Find links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com slash picks. One way people discover us are podcast reviews. If you review us on the Apple Podcasts app, uh, people will see those and maybe more likely to find us. You can also email us feedback at swordandlaser.com. Our website is swordandlaser.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at swordandlaser. And we have a big community talking about books over there at Goodreads, goodreads.com. We'll talk to you next time. Audio program so good, it's like you're there!